Welcome to Leading Simple with Rusty George. Our goal is to make following Jesus and leading others a bit more simple. Here's your host, Rusty George. Well, remember the show, Frasier? I love that TV show. So funny. It was a psychiatrist who would do a radio show and always start with, Hello, Seattle. I'm listening. And I kind of think that's what we all need this year. Our anxiety and stress has been on the rise before COVID, and now it's even worse. Suicide rates are up, prescriptions are up, counselors are packed. We all need help. And at Real Life Church and on this podcast, we want to provide a lot of assistance this year in kind of leaning into the mental health side of the things that we deal with and by offering some support. Counseling sessions, prayer sessions, and on this podcast, some education about how we can get on track mentally in 2021. Today, we're joined by a local legend in the Santa Clarita Valley, pastor and therapist Dan Broyles. Over the last 20 years, he has served two churches here in the SCV and helped thousands of people with their mental health, their marriages, their families, and specifically trauma. He's a sought-after speaker and counselor for staffs and organizations. And today, we're going to ask him some of our questions about our own mental health as we try to move beyond 2020. Today, we are sponsored by Growmentum. The challenges of leadership have never been greater, and alongside the congregations that we have here, I want to point out a trusted partner who can elevate the vision and goals of your team. Over the past few years, we've worked closely with the team at Growmentum, and if you've ever asked any of these questions, am I leading them? Who's leading me? What things should I be measuring and evaluating to thrive? How do I get people to take a next step? guess what? You're not alone. All organizations get stuck. Healthy organizations don't stay there. And Growmentum can help give you perspective and resources needed to reach your full potential. I encourage you to reach out today and we have information about them in our show notes. We're also sponsored by Stadia. And Stadia is a church planting organization that helps thousands of church planters get off the ground. And if you're interested in planting a church, we would love to help you out. StadiaChurchPlanting.org is your one-stop shop to getting involved in church planting. And if you want to plant a church here in the Santa Clarita Valley or in any part of California, then contact us. We're looking to plant 30 churches by the year 2030. So here we go. Dan Broyles, have a good day. And as always, good mental health. Well, Dan Broyles, thank you so much for joining us. For our listeners who may not know you, give us uh, your life in a nutshell, uh, 90 seconds of your just occupation and uh, schooling and what you do for a living. Yeah, well, thanks. Thanks just first for having me. Uh, I have spent most of my career, actually, ever since I was a late teenager, uh, in the world of, of counseling and social work and just helping people been doing that for uh, now a couple de- couple decades of just trying to care for people who are struggling and that can mean all sorts of things um, I am currently a care pastor but also I'm a licensed marriage family therapist and prior to that did social worker a uh, social work for Department of children services I'd be the one going in to determine, if a child should be taken out of the home, if there's child abuse or neglect. Um, so just those type of uh, work I've done for years. Okay. So 
I hear your job and I think, boy, I would not want that job. Uh, you have to deal with some really difficult things. I mean, I deal with some difficult things, but it's not 24-7, kind of like what you live. But in conversations we've had previously, you've told me you kind of enjoy walking into chaos, conflict, or even trauma. Uh, just tell me how you're wired up and why uh, why you think that way. <laughs> Well, yeah, I've been told I probably like conflict more than uh, most people. Well, and I, I would say also one of the things that influenced me was my a college job I had. I was probably about 19 years old, and I was living in Omaha, Nebraska, and my job was working on a crisis hotline called Bo- hmm. Boys Town. I think it's Boys and Girls Town now. And you take calls for four to eight hours a day in your job, whether it's runaways or suicide or abuse and talk things through with people. And so at that point, I just really started to learn to love crisis um, and really find that what a privilege is to help people in their crisis. And the other thing about why I like tension is it's amazing when you can get to the other side of it, Mm. like relationships can be far better. You can work things through, whether it's a home situation, work situation, like it's, it's like this amazing gift when you can get through this side. So actually, I see conflict as a, actually a great opportunity to get closer with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but often, there's so much risk. Most people think um, tension equals greater distance. And it can be for a season or if it's not done well. And I think so many people have had those opportunities where there's tension and now there's greater distance or it's awkward or mm-hmm. people yelled. And, and obviously, that, that just causes more harm. Yeah, it's interesting that most of us view a good day or a good marriage or a good life as the absence of conflict, but really it's the conflict that makes us into the people that we become and want to be. And and like you said, it's on the other side of the conflict where the goodness lies uh, rather than just the avoidance of it all. Do you think mm-hmm. that we as a society, I mean, let's think back to you know pre-COVID. I mean, we were already pretty addicted to comfort and a lack of of conflict. How do you see that playing out in people's lives? And then when conflict comes, they just aren't prepared for it. I think a lot of people, because of their history, assume conflict will lead to rejection. Hmm. And no one wants to feel rejected, especially by the people they love the most. And they've seen it. Um, Maybe a friend, a relative, they get divorced. Or, you know, I hear people, I haven't talked to my sibling in five years. Mm. Uh, and so people don't want to take that risk at all because they've experienced that probably numerous times in their own life or in people they've observed. And, and I think sometimes we tell people what they want to hear. So we don't risk rejection. Uh, and I think that's just really common in, in our kind of culture. And, and also there's so much anxiety wrapped up in tension. What am I going to say? Especially for some people need time to process things. Mm-hmm. That's probably, for me, I like processing on the spot. Um, so probably why I'm wired that way. Like I used to have to testify in court as a social worker with should kids be adopted or not, or parental rights be removed. And I kind of like being on the stand. Uh, it was kind of exciting for me. Um, but I'm a processor that can do that probably pretty quick in the moment. And some people are like, give me a day to think about that. That's a tough question or a tough issue. Mm-hmm. So a lot depends on the person too. Do you find that in a typical family that it's usually a mixed bag of how people process conflict? And that's where the real difficulty comes. Some 
you've got a, you know maybe a husband that wants to process it immediately and a wife that needs a day to think about it or vice versa, and they don't understand each other's conflict styles. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's really common in families. And one of the, I think the dangerous parts of this for families is the fa- our child or our spouse or whoever, when they don't think like us, we assume they're wrong and we can assume negative emotions, mm. uh, motives, I mean, not emotions. So for instance, with that guy who wants to talk right now, that's a little bit of my wife and I, she would rather have time to think about it. And I'm like, let's talk about it right now. Mm-hmm. We can jump into this. Here we go. And sometimes she wants a little bit more, give me some time, but we have to be really careful of not uh, assigning motives that aren't true. So I could be mean or negative and say, so you just want to avoid things. And that's obviously very judgmental on my part. Or she wants to say, well, you have to confront everything and um, you just can't let things go. You know, so Part of it is being really careful for the meaning that we give our family members who do it differently than us. I just think that that's vital in families. All right. So let me ask this. I'm, I'm really curious about this because we try to teach our kids so many skills. Yes. And inevitably, we teach them how to do things the way that we do them. Uh-huh. You know, it's one thing to teach someone how to change a tire. It's another thing to teach them um, here's how you should respond to conflict because this is the way I respond to conflict. What are some th- you know, things that uh, we can teach or expect out of our family members when it comes to things like conflict and anxiety and um, you know worry and those kind of things, but yet have enough flexibility mm-hmm. to understand they might deal with it differently? Does that make sense what yeah. I'm asking here? Yeah, I'd say being sensitive to their personality okay, and not assume they're going to do it just like me. Uh, so a cu- couple things I, I would say is the healthiest families have a mindset of curiosity, mm. With, whether it's a spouse or the kids. So to go, well, I'm curious, I handle like this. I wonder what would be good for you. And, and all of us with our strengths have some, uh, weaknesses. So I, I, I can come across as like probably too strong sometimes and push, push, push. And, um, that doesn't always help. So part of it is being sensitive to who they are and being really curious uh, towards them. One of my phrases that I've learned about, but it's really hard for me is um, the phrase is connect before you correct. Hmm. Um, and I, I find that's pretty challenging as a parent. Um, Karen Purvis out of Texas kind of developed that phrase. And I just think the more we can do that, the better. So the other thing we have to be really um, aware is our children are watching us, whether it's good or bad or modeling well or not modeling well every day. Mm-hmm. They're, they're watching our tone, what areas we make assumptions. They watch what areas we get uptight about, what areas we avoid. You know, one of my, it was really interesting when I was a social worker, I would interview kids about the family and I'd say, so kids, tell me really how your mom deals with conflict, how your dad deals with conflict when they're mad. Mm. They're telling me about family secrets and all those things. It was amazing how much more honest they were than the adults. Mm. Uh, so part of it is respecting their um, personality, but also another really big thing in, in doing this is um, being careful of our own anxiety um, as we model things in conflict. I think anxiety and conflict are like hand in glove with 
so many people. Talk me and, through that a little bit. How, how do those go together when it comes to this? Well, mo- all of us to some degree want to feel in control. Hmm. Um, and so when we don't feel out of control, we have a, kind of like our defaults that some, some good and often not very good. Mm-hmm. So someone who avoids conflict, their default could be to escape even more. I'm going to go escape away from my family and turn on my iPad and escape for two hours. Mm. Right? And then someone like me who probably likes conflict more, my, I can be even more controlling. I can like just jump in and say, here's what we have to do and we're going to do it now and not give any grace. And so I think we said what happens is like if I feel like there's an unresolved issue when, that we can address in 10 minutes and doesn't get addressed, I feel more anxious. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, I, and I just think right now, anxiety is, is just growing and it's off the charts right now. Okay. So that's what I want to hear from you about specifically, because if we rewind a year and we had this conversation, we've got plenty to talk about when it comes to anxiety and depression and trauma and social media and how it fuels it all and all of that kind of thing. But now we throw COVID in the midst. Mm. Now we throw, um, you know, social unrest in the mix. We throw an election and a storming of the Capitol and all of these other things that we've witnessed over the last year. Mm-hmm. What has that done to this internal fire that we all had towards anxiety and depression and mental challenges? And now we've thrown COVID on the flames a bit. Tell me what you're seeing from people and how they're wrestling with this. Yeah, there, there's just so many more areas of life that are complicated and also what you feel out of control. Oh, yeah. So, pre-COVID, going to the grocery store was not complicated. It wasn't. You had your list, you knew what you wanted, you go to the store. You pick up what you want, you have your routine. Now... You go to the routine, is there going to be a line there? Do I have to wait? Do I have that much time to stand in line? What happens if someone next to me, while I'm looking at food, sneezes? Uh, what happens if, you know, this mask thing, it's hard for me to breathe? So, all the, the, what used to be simple is now more complicated. Another thing is people just feel more out of control. Sometimes I'll, in a counseling session, I'll say to somebody the following statement and just want their kind of feedback. You don't have to be in control to be okay. And they look at me like, I feel out of control right now. <laughs> right? You just took that away from me. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. But we all have this idea of, I want to be, if I'm in control, then I'm okay. But if I'm not in control, I'm not okay. We actually equate those pretty quickly. We don't even know we do that. And now, with, with COVID and unrest and political stuff, there's all these different areas of life that now feel even more out of control. We already had that pre-COVID, many areas of life, but now we even have more. Um, and then the last thing I would say that people really struggle to talk about it is losses. Mm. And I'm not talking just death. And I know there's so many people have lost a loved one during COVID, but I'm talking about all the other losses. Um, one for like our family is once in a while, my wife and I like to go on a date night and go out to dinner. Mm-hmm. And we found it's not the same going, picking it up, bring it back home. Then it's cold. Or some people have vacation routines. I, I talked to a young man once and he goes, the top way I connected with my dad was Dodger games. Mm. And now we don't connect as much. That's lost. Wow. 
So there's so many of these losses going on. Um, just loss of people feel, some people feel the loss of freedom. People feel the loss of having family routines with, you know, we used to go out to dinner after church, mm -hmm. or out to lunch after church. And that was kind of our thing. So what happens is there's all these losses that people just get discouraged. They don't realize they need to process those losses. We don't even know that's what's happening. They don't have the words to say, oh yeah, I'm grieving today. They just go, I'm just upset or I'm depressed today. Mm -hmm. And then they take it out on the family or they hibernate. Mm -hmm. So boy, this is so good because I think that issue of control is so big for all of us and we don't even know it, mm -hmm. but especially for those of us that are really dependent on routine, mm -hmm. I'm with you. I, I mean, just a trip to Albertsons or, you know, going to get dinner or whatever, I come home and I'm mentally exhausted mm -hmm. from all the things that used to be you could put on autopilot and not even think about. Now I have to think through. Is that kind of where we're finding ourselves here a year after this has begun of we're just, we're just fatigued all the time? Yeah, I would say we're mentally fatigued. Mm -hmm. So when we take away those kind of normal routines, we feel like we're, we live a life in which we're constantly on. Yeah. I, people would say to me, you know, I put in my eight, nine, 10 hour day, but when I, I go home, I don't have to be on, I can kind of relax. But now when they go home, mentally they're still on because the stress of the political world we're in, or they turn on, you know, their TV or Facebook and it just, you're constantly on mentally and there's very little places for healthy respite hmm. uh, for, for people. And yeah, there's very little, I would say healthy kind of relaxing habits going on because a lot of those things have been taken away. So yeah, I've had so many people say I'm so much more tired than normal, but I've been sitting around all day. Hey, just a break from the podcast for just a moment. I want to let all of our church leaders know about a resource we're providing for you, simply called A Simple Path to Following Jesus. If you're like me, every time Easter comes around, we see a huge influx of new people, many of whom will make a decision for Christ, and we want to put a resource in their hand. A lot of us have a lot of resources on how to help people begin their investigation of Christianity. Maybe a book like The Case for Christ or a small book like How Good is Good Enough. But what do you give to somebody who is a new believer and they want to know what to do next? Well, we put together a little resource called A Simple Path to Following Jesus. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it through my website, PastorRustyGeorge.com. You can even get digital copies and begin to hand those out to people online. I know we did that for Christmas. We had a huge amount of people that took us up on that, where we simply said, if you're ready to follow Jesus, give us your email. We'll give you a free book. And we did that, and they could download it digitally right there. A lot of people don't want to wait a week for it to arrive, and so you can do that. If you're meeting physically on campus, you can buy a bulk of these and hand them out to people who have made decisions. A Simple Path to Following Jesus, it's a very, very short little book that is just an easy read for people to know the next steps of acting justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly with their God. This is a great resource. Hope you pick it up, and you can do so Amazon or at my website, PastorRustyGeorge.com. Okay, back to the show. I found myself in a conversation, 
think it was yesterday with my wife about, I don't feel bad, but I don't feel good. I just feel numb. You know, you're just kind of like swimming in peanut butter, you know, it's just <laughs> not getting anywhere. <laughs> well, yeah. And it, a lot of people like to have stuff to look forward to. And that's a little of the, we like to have some sense of control. Hey, this summer we're going to go to Big Bear and plan this out. And now, literally planning even stuff to look forward to doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. I was literally just talking to someone. They, want, they were wishing they could plan a trip to Europe. Uh, and they're like, who knows? And maybe, maybe not. And so they don't even have that to look forward to. Normally that would be a really big deal. It's a once every couple of years kind of thing. And so now they're like, do I get excited about it? Do I not? And again, that's part of the losses is not having the freedom to go, oh, let's family, family vacation this summer. Right. And no, normally those type of things help our kind of mental mindset. Mm-hmm. It's something to look forward to. And right now, I don't know of very many things that families have that they're really looking forward to. Yeah, there's this psychological thing of we need a finish line, right? Mm-hmm. We need to hear the bell ring at the end of the day and know that we're done and it doesn't feel that way. So let's let's get to the solution side of things. All right. So Dan, tell me something we can control. <laughs> <laughs> because I hear what you're saying, and I think some people would say, okay, so the solution is I just admit I have no control and let everything just, you know, bull me over. But Maybe the better solution, and tell me if I'm wrong, is we have to find something to kind of plant our flag in and say, nope, this is the finish line. This is my safe space. This is my controlled environment. What's your suggestion for us when it comes to control? Yeah, I do think it's good to find almost new routines right now. Okay. New routines or even partial routines. Um, I've seen some families, you know, instead of getting together, they jump on a Zoom and have dinner with their daughter and son-in-law on Sunday nights and they just kind of, they catch up on the week. Yeah. So part of it is actually new routines are really tough. Mm-hmm. Um, especially people who have these ongoing routines that they don't have to change. Um, another one is I would say uh, healthy self-care. Um, like for people that say are working from home or they don't have a job now because of everything. Do they have a routine of getting up same time, showering, doing all that stuff? Because when, routines actually help us mm-hmm. quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Routines are really, really good. You know, instead of going, what day is it today? And I hear that all the time. I don't even know if it, what day of the week it is. Um, they've lost a sense of routine. The other thing is, this is actually really vital, is getting outside every day. Mm. There's a lot, my wife and I in the past have taught classes for couples getting ready to have their first uh, child uh, at Henry Mayo. And what happens, I see with young couples after their first child is they'll be kind of cooped up in their house for days on end, even though they technically could go for a 10 minute walk. And it really starts to affect their mental health and their mood. I don't know about you, but any person for five, six days that's just in your house that doesn't get out. Uh, is not going to be doing well. And there's actually some research on that with vitamin D and our mood. Uh, so part of this is actually, it literally could be a five-minute walk. That's part of my routine. And that, that's really helpful. And then one other really big one is not being passive about connecting with people that you care about. Mm. Um, what happens is when we're discouraged or depressed, taking initiation feels impossible. Mm-hmm. It really 
<clears throat> it really feels impossible uh, to do. So, but some people are like, I don't like initiating stuff. I want people to initiate towards me. Um, probably about a month after, I think COVID really hit. This is by April or May. I decided actually to take um, our dog, a labdoodle, and my wife says I'm less scary if I have that labdoodle on my side. <laughs> and actually walked to probably about 40 or 50 neighbors and knock on their door, cold turkey, many of them I've never met before, not just like the t- one on each side, and just go, are you okay? And normally if I were to do that non-COVID-wise, people would be like, what are you selling me? You're a weirdo. What's <laughs> Are you kidding me? But half the people opened their door and I got zero negative response. Mm. And all I, and I said, I'm not selling anything. I'm not promoting something. I'm just trying to be a human being. How you doing? Wow. And it was amazing. There was probably a number of conversations that weren't just superficial. They kept going. Because you can tell you had not talked to someone in probably weeks. Mm. Isn't that something we've recognized during this time? The value of human interaction even the most introverted of us, we recognize, well, I really need to see somebody. I need to talk to somebody. I, I know that I've gone too long when I'm looking forward to a Zoom meeting at the end of the day. <laughs> right. <laughs> Something I used to dread, and now I'm like, I can't wait till 3 o'clock or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. Are you seeing that to be true with all of us? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think there was some uh, research done out of, I think, I think it was Stanford, that pretty much said that um, they they researched two groups of people. One of them was people who smoked a pack of cigarettes a day, and the other one was people who are lonely and have very little social interaction. And they pretty much had the same lifespan. Wow. It's amazing how actually loneliness doesn't just affect us emotionally. They're seeing it actually affects how we are physically, how we fight off cold, how we fight off flu, Mm. just how we even deal with our immune system when we're really alone versus when we have somebody or have a community, um, which is just amazing how those are interconnected. I don't think we completely understand all of that yet, mm-hmm. but it's, the research has been really clear that when we're doing well socially, it actually helps our lifespan. Wow. So if you're going to smoke, at least smoke with other people. <laughs> well, and I actually think that <laughs> that's why some people like join like a support group type thing. Right. It's less about sometimes even the issue is about connection because mm-hmm. uh, they need it and they want a place where they can just kind of be themselves and they, they don't feel alone in whatever they're facing. Right. So, Dan, I'm curious about your job. You sit and you listen for six to eight to ten hours a day of people sharing with you their problems. Mm-hmm. And no matter how energizing helping people with conflict is to you, at some point you develop some uh, vicarious wounds mm-hmm. by taking on all this trauma. And I'm thinking about people out there that are, you know, first responders, frontline workers, pastors, counselors, teachers, trying to be the sanest person in the room, the calming force, mm-hmm. and yet it begins to wear on you. What have you found to help you that might help our listeners who are in those professions? Sure. Yeah. I just think that that's so, so common. A lot of people refer to that, that as compassion fatigue. Yeah. Um, the, the ongoing, you know, trying idea of supporting someone who's really struggling. 
So I think there's a number of things that have helped me uh, over the years. One of them is having relationships with people that have nothing to do with the helping profession. Hmm. Um, some friends, obviously my wife, really having those and conversations and really talking about stuff that has nothing to do with counseling or traumatic events or, or those type of things. Um, I've, I've found over the years, especially in different settings where, where some people, their top friends were only people in the field and they would go out to dinner and they would just do shop talk and they would talk cases. Yeah. And I don't ever obviously recommend that. Uh, another thing that I would say that's helped me. And I, I really just thank God for this to start out really early is I'm not responsible for outcomes. Hmm. I'm responsible to be faithful the best I can do, be genuine, try to be loving, be truthful. But, you know, if I try to help a couple and they still get divorced, obviously that's sad, but I'm not responsible for all the outcomes. Or there was times I would try to help a child who's been through abuse and I wasn't responsible for all the judge's decisions. Hmm. But I think some people get so caught up. If the outcome's good, it means I did a good job. If the outcome's bad, it means I failed. I don't think we have that much power, actually. Right. Um, even though we all desire that in, in many ways. Yep. Why don't they just get it together? Right. Um, <laughs> so part of it is I need to focus on what my role is, not the outcomes. Hmm. And I've really had to do that real in a real intentional way because I've seen so many kind of counselors, social workers, uh, not have I would say some good mental boundaries in that area, and they burn themselves out. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's so wise just to have those relationships that don't have consequences towards your job. I think the um, the ability to have hobbies, the ability to r- recognize it's, like you said, it comes back to control, right? Absolutely. I mean, doesn't that all w- go all the way back to the Garden of Eden? Right. I mean, why were we tempted by the fruit, we meaning Eve, because we wanted to be like God. We wanted to be in control of all knowledge. Absolutely. And Boy, that just hasn't stopped for all of us, right? Yeah, and one of the, to me, one of the most fascinating parts of that that whole story with Adam and Eve is the first consequence listed in Genesis 3-7 is shame. Yeah. And shame, to me, is the greatest uh, thing that affects closeness in relationships. Mm. I've never found somebody that says, I feel shameful, I want to connect more. Mm. Shame always isolates, always isolates. Wow, that's powerful. All right, Dan, uh, last uh, last question here. Let's fast forward. COVID's over. Um, it's gone, whether or not it's vaccine, herd immunity, or it just disappears. Um, what do you hope that we learned during this season that we take on into the future? One of them is... Um, that we not take for granted the value of being with somebody face to face. I one of the things that I've worked on personally in these last few months, and even in some of the things I've taught, and I think social media gets in the way of this, is being present with people. So being present, not thinking about my to do list, trying not to pick up my phone when someone's talking to me, but just being present. Um, cause every person I talk to is a person of value. Hmm. Uh, and so I just think we took for granted. I know I did this idea of just face to face conversation. And so when that starts to kind of grow again, where we have more freedom to do that and not, 
uh, all the kind of concerns with COVID to go, wow, even if what they say to me is something I don't like, or I'm, I'm not naturally interested in it, but to still be just kind of grateful for that. I mean, my wife is a labor and delivery nurse and labor and delivery doesn't come natural for a thing. I just want to talk about as a guy. It's just not my, my thing, but she's just really gifted in that area. And I listen to her not because of my interest, but I have the privilege of talking to her face to face about something she's passionate about. And that's the way to love somebody. I, I always think that we forget that listening is one of the greatest gifts we can give somebody we love. Mm. And really trying to understand them, even if we're interested in that topic or not. That's really good. It's a good word for us all, Dan. Listen, on behalf of uh, all the people in our valley, Santa Clarita Valley, thank you for your many years of service to our community. There's a lot of healthy people walking around today because of your work. And I hope that there's many more as a result of this podcast. So really appreciate your time with us and, and your uh, encouragement for us that uh we need each other. We can get through this. And there is a myth of control that uh, we need to give up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. I I just hope those that are really struggling would reach out for help. But isolation never helps us. And so thanks again for what you're doing in the community and valuing relationships in this community. Just thank you so much. Thank you, Dan. Well, thanks so much for listening. As always, make sure that you share this with a friend. I'm sure there's somebody in your life that could use some of Dan's encouragement and all that he has to share about mental health. So make sure that you pass this along and subscribe to make sure that you get this content every day in your inbox and also bonus content, which we have from time to time and actually a really good one coming up this month. So subscribe now. Next week, we'll be back with our good friend and co-host Brad Williams. We're gonna discuss a concept that has eluded many of us and that is this idea of hearing from God. If you've never heard an audible voice from God, does that mean you're doing something wrong? We're gonna talk about that next week. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Take a moment and subscribe to the podcast so you'll get it delivered every week. And subscribe to the Rusty George YouTube channel for more devotionals, messages, and fun videos. Thank you for listening to Leading Simple.